0: Good morning, church. Good morning, morning, church. Amen. All right. So today um, we'll be reading from Exodus 30. And if you have your pew Bible with you, please open to page 70. If you have your pew Bible with you, please open to page 70. You shall make an altar on which to burn incense. You shall make it of acacia wood. A cubit shall be its length and a cubit its breadth. It shall be square and two cubits shall be its height. Its horns shall be of one piece with it. You shall overlay it with pure gold, its top and around its side and its horns, And you shall make a molding of gold around it and you shall make two golden rings for it. Under its molding on two opposite sides of it, you shall make them, and they shall be orders for the poles with which to carry it. You shall make the poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold, and you shall put it in front of the veil that is above the ark of the testimony, in front of the mercy seat that is above the testimony, where I will meet with you. And Aaron shall burn fragrant incense on it. Every morning shall he Every morning when he dresses the lambs he shall burn it, and when Aaron set up the lambs at twilight he shall burn it, a regular incense offering before the Lord throughout your generations. You shall not offer unauthorized incense on it. Or a bronze offering, or a grain offering, and you shall not pour a drink offering on it. Aaron shall make atonement on its horns once a year with the blood of the sin offering of atonement. It shall make atonement for it once in the year throughout your generations. It is most holy to the Lord. The Lord said to Moses. When you take the census of the people of Israel, then it shall give a ransom for his life to the Lord when you number them, that there be no plague among them when you number them. Each one who is numbered in the census shall give this, half a shekel according to the shekel of the sanctuary, half a shekel as an offering to the Lord. Everyone who is numbered in the census from 20 years old and upward shall give the Lord's offering. The rich shall not give more and the poor shall not give less than the half shekel when you give the Lord's offering to make atonement for your lives. You shall take the atonement money from the people of Israel and shall give it to the service of the tent of meeting that it may bring the people of Israel to remembrance before the Lord so as to make atonement for your lives. The Lord said to Moses, You shall also make a basin of bronze with its stand of bronze for washing. You shall put it between the tent of meeting and the altar and you shall put water in it. "...with which Aaron and his sons shall wash their hands and their feet, when they go into the tent of meeting, or when they come near the altar to minister to burn a food offering to the Lord, they shall wash with water so that they may not die. They shall wash their hands and their feet so that they may not die." It shall be a statue forever to them, even to him and to his offspring throughout their generations. The Lord said to Moses, take the finest spices of liquid myrrh, 500 shekels, and of sweet-smelling cinnamon, half as much, that is 250, and 250 of aromatic cane, and 500 of cashier according to the shekel of the sanctuary and a hin of olive oil. And you shall make of these a sacred anointing oil blended as by the perfumer. It shall be a holy anointing oil. With it it you shall anoint the tent of meeting and the ark of the testimony and the table and all its utensils And the lampstand and its utensils and the altar of incense and the altar of burnt offering with all its utensils and the basin and its stand. You shall consecrate them that they may be most holy. Whatever touches them will become holy. You shall anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them that they may serve me as priests. The Lord said to Moses, take sweet spices, stacte and onicar and galbanum, sweet spices with pure frankincense, of each shall there be an equal part, and make an incense blended as by the perfumer, seasoned with salt, pure and holy, you shall beat some of it very small, and put part of it before the testimony in the tent of meeting where I shall meet with you. It shall be most holy for you, and the incense that you shall make according to its composition you shall not make for yourselves. It shall be for you holy to the Lord. Whoever makes any like it to use as perfume shall be cut off from his people. This is the word of God.
1: Ago. We've been in Exodus now for a little while. We've been, we've been tracking through this amazing story of God's glory and God's grace and obviously also His holiness. You've heard that word over and over and over again. God has brought the Israelites out of Egypt where they were slaves. He has moved them through the Red Sea, through the wilderness, and we've been parked now at Mount Sinai for the last several chapters and several weeks of our study here in Exodus. Moses is on top of the mountain getting instructions. The people are at the bottom of the mountain doing God knows what. We'll find out in a few chapters. It's not pretty. While Moses is up there, the Lord said to Moses, the Lord said to Moses, the Lord said to Moses, the Lord said to Moses. Moses, You heard that four times in this chapter. God is giving him details for the tabernacle. So if you're, if you're new here this morning, the last few chapters, God has been uh, giving him the instructions for how to build this tent that God will live in. God will dwell among them in His holy tent, and they will live holy ever after, if you will. Today's sermon, we're we're entitling, Holy to the Lord. You heard that phrase a few times in today's passage, and, and it's been one that's been used all throughout this book. It is holy unto the Lord. When I say the word holy to you, holiness, what comes to your mind? Holy cow. Holier than thou, holy roller, if you're a little bit older, right? (laughs) You remember, remember that term. Maybe you think of, you know, some bearded guy sitting up on a mountain by himself, just meditating. That's a holy dude. He is super holy. Maybe you just think of people that are really good. They always get it right. Do you have any use in your life for holiness? If we we think of holiness in terms of the idea of change or becoming better, then we could argue all of us have use in our life for holiness, don't we? We all want to be better. We all all want to be the best version of ourselves, so to speak. We all want to uh, get in better shape and eat better and and do better in school and have better relationships. We want to experience change. If I go into, I was in Barnes and Noble literally just a couple weeks ago and that self-help aisle, it's just book after book of how to be better. (laughs) And then you go across to the religion aisle and it's actually just more self-help, packaged as religion. Both of those are meant to make us better in some way. Holiness is a huge theme in Exodus, isn't it? God is holy. The burning bush, chapter 3, Moses, take off your shoes because you are standing on holy ground. So, God is holy, and what He touches becomes holy. His people must be holy. His tent is going to be holy. Every, every object, every altar, at the lampstand, the table, even the tools are all going to be holy. The priests need to be holy. They will wear a turban with a, with a gold plate that says, holy to the Lord on that crown, on that turban. God is holy and He wants us to be holy. Be holy as God is holy. But what does that mean? What is holiness? We're going to look at three points today, three lessons, three thoughts. To be holy means to be set apart to the Lord to reflect His glory. To be holy is to be set apart to the Lord to reflect His glory. God makes ordinary things holy. Up here on this table, I have a bunch of ordinary mugs. These all come from my house. Every mug serves the same function… If I were to drop any of these mugs on my kitchen floor, it would shatter. Now, as soon as I choose a mug, it becomes holy. It is set apart from all the other mugs to be used by me for my glory. (laughs) I especially love this mug right here because one of my children made this mug. It's handmade. My child made it. it I, I, uh, shameless plug, I write a blog every day called To Live is Christ, to live is Christ. blog. <laughs> and she made my little logo on here, and she put the little... So it, this mug images me, doesn't it? It was made by my child, and it images me. And so, I love this mug. And so, every day I drink out of this mug. I choose this mug. This is the mug that sits on my desk over at Dyra Place. Sometimes I drink water out of this mug. Sometimes I drink coffee out of this mug. Sometimes I drink Coca-Cola out of that mug. That's all. You're waiting for me to say something else. I'm not going to say something else. That's all. That's all. See? When I pour into the mug, first I choose the mug. Then I pour into the mug, and the mug is now holy. It is set apart. It is useful unto me. Mm. (sighs) That's what holiness means. You are just an ordinary person. You are like every other person. If if, If you're dropped, you will shatter. But when God chooses you, and when He pours into you, You become holy because He is holy. You become holy unto His glory. Holiness can only come from God. We cannot make ourselves holy. In fact, one of the great paradoxes is the more you're trying to be holy, the more you're concentrating on your holiness, probably the less holy you're actually going to (laughs) be. Because when you start to get it right, you're going to become proud. And when you start to get it wrong, you're going to become discouraged. None of these mugs can by their own will and power and effort be chosen by me. Can they? Holiness comes only from God. Look at how Exodus 29 said it. God said, at the entrance of the tent of meeting before the Lord, there I will meet with the people of Israel and it shall be sanctified, made holy. That's what sanctified means. It will be sanctified by my glory. What made the tent holy? Was it the materials they used? No. Was it who made it? Like who the people that crafted it? No. Was it… was it because… was it magic? (laughs) No. It was because God's glory came to it. God's glory sanctified it. God said, it's holy. God said, I'm going to use it. God said, it's mine. This is my house, my tent, my dwelling. That's what makes it holy. It is sanctified by the glory of God, by the presence of God. Nothing that it does, the tent of meeting was not holy because it did anything. These mugs can't be holy by what they do in and of themselves sitting there. They're not doing anything. It's just a thing. It's a lifeless thing. Only when I choose it, fill it, use it, does it become holy. Number two, the presence of the Holy Spirit in us is what makes us holy. We're the tent. We're the mug. <laughs> We're the tent. What made the tent holy? The presence of the glory of God. What makes you holy? The presence of Of God you see when somebody anybody when somebody chooses to trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior when somebody says I want to receive the life of Christ so that it is no longer I who live but Christ who lives within me so that when I die and I stand before the judge of the universe God he doesn't judge me on me he judges me on Jesus When I make that choice, when I say, yes, that's what I want, by faith, by simple faith, I receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says. And when I receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, I receive the holiness of God. Much like I poured this water into my mug, God pours His life into us by the Holy Spirit. Excuse me. In fact… In the New Testament, the Holy Spirit is often called… Isn't it ironic that I'm choking while I have all this water up here? (laughs) Why aren't I just drinking this? Okay. In the New Testament, the Holy Spirit is called water. Jesus is called water, poured into us so that now we are holy. In our passage, it's the oil. Verse 22 and following… Golden stood up here and and read this recipe for oil, and we're all scratching our heads thinking, what's that about? The the ingredients aren't magic. You could go out and find these ingredients today, likely. You could duplicate this. Why is it holy? Because God says it's holy. Because God chose it. Because God declared it. And anything that that oil touches becomes holy. In the Old Testament, inner purity and inner sin, inner defilement, these were illustrated by outer things. Outward purity, outward defilement. If you, in in the Old Testament, if you touch something that's defiled, for example, a dead body, you become impure. You become ritually impure. If you are touched by something that is holy, like holy oil, you become holy. Holy. The objects became holy because they were anointed with the oil. The priests were holy because they would pour that oil and it would run down them. And they were anointed with holy oil. What you touch determines whether you are impure or pure. But it's just a picture. It's, It's just a picture. This picture continues in the Gospels Jesus is walking, and the, in the book of Luke, the Gospels will say, there's so many people pressing against Him. It's crowded. And there's a woman, there's a woman who's been bleeding for 12 years, and because of that, she, is, she has been ritually impure, because bodily fluids make you ritually impure. And so, she's been bleeding for 12 years. She has been ritually impure. She is out of fellowship. She can't go to temple. She can't offer sacrifices. She's probably been rejected by her husband at this point. She's probably an outcast in her society because literally no one can touch her. She hasn't had a hug in 12 years. She hasn't had a handshake in 12 years. And so she's pressing through the crowd. You guys know it. What does she do? She reaches out and she touches Jesus. And immediately, she's healed. Not just physically, Jesus looks at her and says, daughter, I love that, daughter, your faith has saved you. Your faith has saved you. Did Jesus become impure by being touched or did she become pure by touching? She became pure by touching. By faith, she reached out. And touched Christ. Second Corinthians 1, the Apostle Paul says this: it is God who establishes us with you in Christ, and He has anointed us, and who has also put His seal on us and given us His what? Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Christian, did you know that you are anointed? Did you, not oil, not oil. We're not up here grinding stuff, right? We're not doing that. We're not out shopping for weird spices. We are anointed by the Holy Spirit. We are anointed by the indwelling presence of God because it's the glory of God that sets us apart. It's the glory of God that makes us holy. Say it with me. The Holy Spirit makes me holy. The Holy Spirit makes me holy. Say it. The Holy Spirit makes me holy. What, if I, Christian, if I walk up to you and I say, what makes you holy, and you start rattling off some list of stuff you've done, or I go to church, or I give, or, or um, I got baptized, no. The Holy Spirit makes you holy. Period. Drop the mic. Walk out. The end. Full stop. The Holy Spirit makes you holy. So let's pause and ask this question. Do you have the Holy Spirit? Are you in here this morning? Can you, can you claim this verse? Have you been established, anointed, sealed by God, by the Holy Spirit? Can you say without a doubt, that describes me? I am in Christ, and the Spirit is in me. If you can't say that, that's what this is all about. That's what, that's what life is. <clears throat> if you can't say that, then what do you have? You have you trying to be holy and trying, and trying to impress God, impress yourself, impress others by all these things that you do, when in reality, it's simple faith. <laughs> Touch. Touch just reach out and touch. Just grab it. Jesus is walking around offering it freely. Just, just grab, just grab it. Just believe. Believe. Trust in Jesus. Sure. Can, can you experience self-improvement without God, without Jesus? Sure. Sure, of course you can, of course you can. Of course you can get better, you can control your anger, you can get off drugs, you can become a better parent, you can do all of those things, but none of that makes you holy because that's for your glory, not God's. You can do a lot of things for your own glory. You can build things, engineer things, you can, you can fly rockets into space. You can, build, you can make iPhones and computers. You can, you can make a, an electric-powered car. But that's not for his glory. That's for your glory, and therefore it's not holy. Listen, <clears throat> are you resisting God today? I'm, imagine, imagine I go down here. Let's, let's bring the free will of mankind into this a little bit. Imagine it's like Beauty and the Beast. You guys seen Beauty and the Beast and all the dishes come to life? Imagine I go down here and I'm like, I'm going to pick this mug. And this mug, no, I want to be my own true mug self. And he runs and he jumps off. That's ridiculous, right? Who would do that? Unless you let God pick you up, choose you, use you, fill you. What are you, what are you gonna, you're going to be the king of mugs? Is that what you're going to do? You're going to be the best mug you can be in your own strength, and you'll sit on account and you'll, you'll do nothing for the glory of eternity, will you? You'll do nothing. Number three. Because of Christ's holiness in us, we can bear the fruit of holiness in our lives. <clears throat> because Christ's holiness is in us, we can bear the fruit of holiness in our lives. Because God has chosen me and He's using me, and I, and I got this water in, I got this water in this mug, this mug can now be used. It can bear the fruit. It can quench thirst. It can be used for what it's intended. Look at Romans 6. But now you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God. The fruit you get leads to sanctification, holiness. That's just holiness. And its end, eternal life. Now that you have been set free from sin. First, we got to embrace that. That's the first step. I am free from sin. It doesn't say you have been set free from sinning. This is an important distinction. Do you still sin? Yes. But is sin your master? No. Can sin, will sin be invited into the courtroom to testify against you? No, not if you're in Christ. Not if you're in Christ. Now, if you're not in Christ, it it will. If you're not in Christ, then God's going to look at all your sins. Oh, look, look. Oh, here we go. Oh, that was day six. Okay. Here you are at two. Here you are at four years old. Oh, 14. Oh, my goodness. What happened there? Right? (laughs) Wow. Wow. Oh, wow. Twenty-seven. Oh, my goodness. That's… that's what you're up against but if I have Christ, if I have His righteousness, I have been set free from sin. Sin doesn't control me and it doesn't condemn me. I am no longer a slave to sin. I am a slave to God. I am slave to God. God, use me. God, I want to be your mug. God, I'm your mug. God, pour, pick me up, clean me, uh, uh, pour water in me, use me any way you want to. I know that in your sure hands you will never drop me, I will never shatter, because you have, the, you, you have the firmest grip on me ever. That's the beginning, set free from sin. The fruit of that, sanctification. So here's what this is saying. Holiness is both the means and the end. We are made holy by God, and we become holy through God. Let me say it again. Holiness is the means, and it's the end. We are made holy by God, and we become holy through God. Both are true. Both are happening. Why? Because we are free from sin. Now, here's our tabernacle. Look at this picture up here. When I come in that east gate, I see that altar of burnt offering. But now, in Christ, there is no altar of burnt offering. Jesus paid it all. Jesus has paid for all of my sins. Jesus has, has atoned for me by His blood. <clears throat> we talked about this two weeks ago. The bronze altar is no longer our altar, is it? Hebrews says we have an altar, the cross. The cross. And the cross is a one and done. The cross is a one time. Okay, so if I'm walking into the tabernacle complex and there's no bronze altar and I don't have to sacrifice anything for my sins, why am I going? If coming to church isn't about making up for my sin, if it's not about coming here and begging God to forgive me, if it's not about coming here and paying penance, if it's not about coming here and sitting with a little priest in a booth and confessing to him so that God will absolve me of all my sins, if church is no longer about dealing with sin, then why do we come? What's the point? Why are we here? Okay, let's look at the tabernacle. Let's look at chapter 30. We got three things. The bronze basin, the golden altar of incense, and the census tax. You remember those? The bronze basin, verse 17. 30, verse 17. You will make, the Lord said to Moses. You're going to make this bronze basin, this bronze basin, and you're going to make it, you're going to fill it with water, and the priests are going to wash. Now keep in mind, this is after they would go to the big altar and sacrifice for sins. After they do that, they go and they wash. They wash their hands. I want to submit to you that the bronze basin is a picture of how we, in Christ, Sins forgiven, sins dealt with. My relationship with God is solid. It's on solid ground. I stand righteous and holy before God. And yet I still wash. John 13. In John 13, before Jesus is about to die, he gets all his disciples in the upper room. And they're doing Passover. Do you remember that? They're taking Passover. So Exodus is in their brains. This is the bread of the affliction, and this is a cup of, you know, all of that. And so they're going through the ritual of Passover, and Jesus says things like, This bread is my body, and this this wine is my blood. And he what does he do? In John's Gospel, he takes off his coat, he ties around, he gets a basin. And he fills it with water. And he goes around and he washes every disciple's feet. Do you remember that? He washes their feet. So his hands are getting clean and he's washing them. And then he stands up at the end and he says, the way I did this for you, you need to do this for each other. What was Jesus doing? What was he teaching them? In that process, he actually, he says to them, Because Peter Peter does this whole, wash my whole body. And Jesus says, no, I don't need to wash your whole body. You're already clean. I just need to wash your feet. Here's what I think he's illustrating. Here's what I think Jesus is teaching us. We're clean. We're holy. Between us and God, there is holiness. But it's here. It's here. We need to wash each other's feet. Relationally. Horizontally, the vertical is fine. I am cleansed before God. There is no more atonement for my sin before God. But look, I'm not clean. I might not be clean with Akin. Akin needs to wash my feet. I need to wash his feet. We need to confess and we need to forgive. We need to get clean. We need to get clean. That's why we come to church. We come to church when we know. The bronze altar is out of the picture. When we know that we are made holy by God, now we can live honestly with each other, can't we? We can confess our sins to one another, James five sixteen. We can expose the dirt from the daily grind, the dirt that's on our feet. We can live authentic, humble, honest lives before God and each other. Holiness does not mean that I never sin. It means that I confess my sin to my brother and my sister. And when they confess their sin to me, I forgive. I forgive. I forgive. Seventy times. Seven times. Do you live that way? Let me ask you a question. Are you holy or not? Okay, if you're holy... Are you confessing to one another? Are you honest with one another? Are you cleansing each other? Are you washing feet, so to speak? If not, why not? The golden altar of incense. Verse 1, chapter 30, verse 1. Every day, twice a day, the priest goes in and he's in burning incense. So there's this perpetual smoke, perpetual smoke inside the tent. It's probably coming out the bottoms and through the cracks. You can probably smell it for miles away. It pro- you probably the whole camp can smell it. What is this about? Notice it says, you shall not offer a burnt offering on it. This isn't about blood. This isn't about making atonement for sins. It's about thanksgiving and praise unto God. Never-ending smoke is our never-ending gratitude. Never-ending smoke is our never-ending praise. Hebrews 13, through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Let us offer a sacrifice, a a perpetual sacrifice of praise. Not a sacrifice for sin, a sacrifice for sins forgiven. A sacrifice of, of enjoying God, living in his presence, knowing nothing can be held against me. There is now no condemnation for me. I am forgiven. And that should motivate me to not go through life blase, blase. It should, it should motivate me to go through life thanking God, praising God. Everything that's coming off my lips is talking about how amazing God is. In the Old Testament, there's a story about David, King David. I think that David understood this in a, in a supernatural way. At one point in the story, the Ark of the Covenant which is supposed to be in the center of the tabernacle. It gets captured by the Philistines. The Philistines take it away. And then when David becomes king, he brings it back. He he captures it back and he brings it back to Jerusalem. And you know what David does with the Ark of the Covenant? He doesn't put it back in the tabernacle. He pitches a tent in his backyard and he puts the Ark in that tent And it stays there for 30 years. You can read this in 1 Chronicles 16. David puts the Ark of the Covenant in his own personal little tent, and then he gets all the Levites, Asaph, maybe you've heard that name from the Psalms. He employs all these Levites to sing and dance and play music, the trumpet and the cymbals, perpetual praise around that tent for 30 years. No blood sacrifices. Just David, anytime he wants, going out to his backyard, and he had the audacity to go into that tent and sit with God and sing to God. And that's how you got the book of Psalms. That's how you got the book of Psalms. Psalm 50, verse 13 and 14, God talking. Do I eat the flesh of bulls? Do I drink the blood of goats? offer to god a sacrifice of thanksgiving psalm 40 in sacrifice and offering you have not delighted burnt offering and sin offering you have not required but may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you may those who love your salvation say continually god is the lord psalm 69 i will praise the name of god with a song i will magnify him with thanksgiving This will please the Lord more than an ox or a bull with horns and hoofs. Psalm 116, I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving in the courts of the house of the Lord, in your midst, O Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. David knew it. Do you know it? Did you come in this morning to appease God or to praise God? I hope you came in to simply praise him. Because <laughs> that's what God wants. That's the sacrifice he likes. That's the sacrifice he likes. And then the census tax. The census tax. Living a redeemed life. There's this strange part of chapter 30. Everybody's going to pay a tax. Did you catch that? Pay, you're going to pay a piece of silver, half a shekel, When you're 20 years old, everybody that turns 20, you pay the tax. Rich, you pay the same amount. Poor, you pay the same amount. Everybody's paying this tax, and God calls it an atonement tax, a redemption tax. What does that mean? Here's what it means. Here's what God's doing. He's saying, look, he's saying to Israel, he's saying, look, I own you. (laughs) I own you. Remember that day, remember that day in Egypt? (laughs) This is God talking. Remember that day in Egypt when you were slaves and you were like, get us out of here. And then I did that, I own you now. I own you, you are mine, you are my people. I am your God, you are my people. And for the way you're gonna remember that is that when everybody, when you turn 20, they're gonna give me a piece of silver. And they're going to remember, God bought me. God bought me with the blood of a lamb back on that Passover night. Back on that Passover night. Peter says it this way, talking to us. He says, you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious Blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Listen, you want to be holy? Are you holy? (laughs) Live honestly with each other, church. Live honestly with each other. Praise God. Give thanks to God. This is holiness. Give thanks to God. And then, and then lastly, understand that you are not your own. You are purchased by God. You belong to Him. Notice, notice in our text, this is very important. Does, guys, does God need money? Is God up in heaven like, where's my cash? Where's my silver? I got bills to pay. I got mouths to feed. No, no. So where does the money actually go in the text? Did you notice that? Do they float it up to heaven somehow? Do they bury it in the ground or in the sea so that God will swoop down and get it? No, it goes to the, ta- to the tabernacle, did not it? The money goes to the service of the tabernacle. The money goes back to the service of the people. The money is for the upkeep of the tent so that people can come and live honestly with each other and praise God together. Christian, I I know you know this. Look, when you give, when you give your money, when you put money, when you go online and you give money, you put your money in a little box, whatever, I know that you know that God doesn't need your money. So why do we give? We give not to pay God back, but to pay it forward. We're paying it forward. God, may this money remind me, remind me that I am redeemed, that I am purchased, that you own me. You own everything. Now, take this money and use it for the service of the people. Use it for the service of your kingdom. Use it to upkeep a place so that we can come and praise you together. Isn't that a beautiful thing, when we're able to do that, when we're able to live in such a way? Hey, are you holy or not? Three of us are. All right. I'll take it. (laughs) No, I won't. Hey, are you holy or not? Okay. If you're holy, you're holy because God made you holy, because God poured Christ into you. Christ is in you. Now let Christ flow out of you. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, you are the holy, holy, holy God. You are the only one that can make us pure, set apart, useful, productive. God, you're the only one that can do it pour your character into us, pour your purity into us, pour your love into us by your Spirit, by the life of Jesus. Not just the example of Jesus, that's, that's good too, but by the actual life, the actual crediting of the life of Christ to us. And may this free our hearts, may it free our hearts to live honestly before each other, to wash feet, to offer forgiveness May it free our hearts to praise even on the dark days, even when the clouds are blocking the sun. God, even in the midst of the pit, may we find ways to thank you and be uh, grateful to you and to honor you. And God, may we live a redeemed life. I'm reminded of Paul's words that we present our bodies as living sacrifices unto you. Our bodies were purchased by your blood. Use us, use us in any way you see fit. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.